black thing go from left to right, and I thought, I'm going to die out here. No one's ever going to know. I couldn't believe what my eyeballs were showing me. I'll never forget how evil the eyes were. It was horrible. I mean, I've never seen nothing that evil. It ran towards me at a, at a rate that I, I I can't even explain. Turned and stared at me, and this look of I just want to kill you. I want to say it was human, but it wasn't. He was, he was he was yelling at me to grab a gun, grab a gun. I was like, for what? He said, just grab a gun. And there's footprints all the way to the door of my house. It had went inside my garage all the way to the door. 911, what are you reporting? Jesus Christ, you better... Sir? Zia! Hello? Get somebody out here. What's going on now, sir? That son of a bitch is about six foot nine, I don't know. Do you see him now, sir? Yes, I'm looking right at him. Uh Uh-oh. You're listening to Sasquatch Chronicles. Check us out online at sasquatchchronicles.com. If you've had an encounter, email me. My email address is wes at sasquatchchronicles.com. Welcome to the show, everyone. Thanks for being here tonight. Got a great show planned for you tonight. Going to be speaking to Alfred. And Alfred will be sharing his encounter that happened to him back in the 70s. Very fascinating encounter. Uh, he was staying with families originally from New York, and he was down there visiting uh, during the summer. And just an interesting encounter. He actually submitted his encounter to the BFRO, and it's report number 44837. Uh, but what's interesting about him submitting that report is whoever investigated this encounter did an exceptional job. Uh, she actually went through and found other uh, places around this property where people had reported seeing this creature, and even police officers that had reported seeing this creature during this time. Interesting encounter. And it's even interesting to hear the behavior of the creature. Uh, I think at one point uh, throughout the encounter, it actually gets struck by a police car. And I'll let Alfred go into all of that. But it's a very, very interesting encounter. Uh, This is normally Sunday's show. I kind of had to move things around because of weather. I know a lot of people were having power outages and and are just getting hit hard with freezing rain and snow. Uh, So I kind of had to move things around. Uh, But uh, for the members, I'll be back on Sunday. Have a lot of guests lined up and one very interesting encounter uh, with a turkey hunter and one of these creatures. So you definitely don't want to miss that. If you've had an encounter and you'd like to be on the show, shoot me an email. My email address is wes at sasquatchchronicles.com. And if you get a chance, check out the website, sasquatchchronicles.com. You can check out the daily blog, become a member, get additional shows. You know, one thing that's interesting is uh, Russell Miller had posted this uh, to our Facebook group and was asking everyone's opinion. He was out one night and he captured this on his audio And he wasn't saying it was Bigfoot-related. He was just like, hey, guys, what do you think this is? Take a listen to this recording. (laughs) 
think that's a dog? noises out here that I've never heard before. And while I think this is coyotes, I can definitely understand why Russell broke out the recorder. Uh, I think I would have broke it out too. I really think it's coyotes uh, or a male coyote is what I think it sounds like. But I think it's cool that Russell broke out the recorder. I wish more people would do that when they're in this situation and they hear something a little bit off, they, they break out the recorder. Uh, great job, Russell, getting that. But here here's coyotes. Here's what uh, uh, coyote, right before the pack goes off. to their annoying yep every one of them goes off but i think that what russell captured was a lone coyote um, probably a male coyote doing a territorial call Uh, that's my uneducated guess I, i don't think it was a dog man i don't think it was a sasquatch but i do applaud you for breaking out the recorder and recording it as you listen to those two i mean you can hit rewind and go back and listen to compare them both I can kind of see why Russell broke out the recorder. I think I would have too. I think I would have broke it out and started recording that uh, because it does sound a little off. Uh, but I, I still, I still say coyote. Uh, but great job at you know bringing back something, some audio, bringing back something. You know, even if you capture something, I had noticed on Facebook uh, the other day someone had posted a footprint and said, hey, what do you think this is? And it, I think it was a bear uh, stepping in its own its own foot. But, uh, you know, capture those things. Bring them in. And, and you know, not in, I know that on Facebook, social media, everyone's an expert. Uh, but it's good to kind of get a, a second eye on it. Uh, and as long as everyone can kind of be civil, uh, I think it's easier to resolve and weed out things that probably aren't these creatures. Uh, but great job, Russell. My hat goes off to you. Great job capturing that audio. Uh, let's jump into it tonight. I want to welcome uh, Alfred to the show. Alfred, thanks for coming on. Appreciate you being here. Thank you, Wes. Thanks for having me. Please call me Al. Everybody calls me Al. All right, Al. And uh, yeah, again, thank thanks you. for coming on. I was really re- I was. You sent me the report you had submitted to the BFRO of your encounter that took place out there in Florida. Uh, if you would kind of start from the beginning, just tell us what you guys were out doing and and walk us into the whole experience, the whole encounter. Uh, tell us what happened. Okay, it was in 1974, and you got to understand, my sister was living uh, in the, the outskirts of this little town called Davy. Was right um, right on the, uh, the edge of the uh, of the the swamp down there in Florida, the Everglades, and uh, we were we were you know. Eh, at her house, but every summer, like my father and me, me and my cousin would get sent down to Florida. It was like our summer camp. You know what I mean? And my, my cousin, Anthony was like 15 and I was 12 and he was more like my older brother than a cousin. And my sister 
Um's husband Joe, he had a restaurant in this little town, Davy, and it was a little town. It had, you know, dirt streets and the biggest thing was the rodeo on the fourth of July and uh they had this house out in out in this new development called Sunshine Acres and there was only a few houses out there at the time. And it was a big like square piece of land. I used to jog it as a kid. I think it was like two miles all the way around or something to that effect. And you know, we were we were hanging out one night late. My brother-in-law Joe is an ex-Marine, so every day he had a list of stuff for us to do. We just did a ton of work around the house. All we did was work all summer. But he was really cool because, you know, we only worked to a certain time, like one in the afternoon, and it was just too hot. And my dad had a beautiful, you know, built-in pool. We had dirt bikes, and we knew, we, we, got, we knew some people in the neighborhood from always being down there every summer. So we had friends down there, you know, and one of the kids that we hung out with, his father had a stable, a horse stable, and they did they did tours in the swamp. They took people out on horses, and we knew the swamps pretty well because we hung. We we were not only did we take the horses out there, but we we rode our dirt bikes out there and stuff. And um, so it was 1974, and we're hanging out watching I don't know Don Pierce of Rock Concert or something like that back in the day, and we get this horrible smell that comes past the house. My sister had two huge German Shepherds. And they started going ballistic. I mean, absolutely ballistic. And I actually had to put them in the garage because I thought they were going to wake up the whole house. They were going crazy. And we just, you know, we didn't think anything of it. You know, the first night we just thought it was a skunk. But it was like a really, really a powerful smelling skunk. So the next day we get up and we're sitting at the breakfast table. And I asked my sister, I says, man, did you smell that skunk that came by the house lift at it? But Whatever it was, it made the dogs crazy. I had to put them in the garage. And she said, oh, that's not a skunk. That's the skunk case. And we're like, me and my cousin Anthony, being from the city, you know, we're like, what's the skunk cape, you know? And she goes on to describe what it is. You know, in Florida, they call Sasquatch or Bigfoot a skunk cape because of this really bad smell and this, that, and the other thing. And we thought she was pulling our leg. You know, her and my brother, we thought, you know, being from the city, that, that they were really pulling our legs, you know? So later on in the day, we got together with all our friends from the neighborhood. And we always, like I said, we hung out in the swamp. There was one area that was pretty pretty dry. We used to make jumps and jump our bikes and everything else. And we started talking about the skunk ape. You know, I said, hey, did you guys ever hear about the skunk ape? You know, my you know, sister's telling this story. And, you know, we, you know, and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, man, that, that skunk ape is really true. And, you know, it usually comes around this time of year when it's really, really hot like this. And that summer was really, really hot. There was fires in the Everglades. There was no rain. It was really bad. I remember they had like a, a drought, a water drought, and you weren't allowed to water your lawn. And my brother-in-law was a nut. His house was like gorgeous. And it had, it should have been like on homes and gardens. And he said, he goes, I don't care. They could find me. I'm watering my grass. I'm watering my plants. And he was just crazy that way. I said, yeah, some Marine you are, you know what I mean? And, um, so that, you know, that, that was our first experience into the skunk ape, a uh, little forum there. And then, um, we're again, a couple of days go by, we're hanging out late. And we usually stood up to the wee hours watching TV. Back then, the TV would go off like around 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the morning. There would just be nothing on but snow, you know. And um, we'd go to bed. And we're laying in. My sister had this sitting room in the front of her house. She had this 
big, beautiful home, had a, a circular driveway, and it was fenced in on three quarters of the property from the front of the house where the actual house was. The fence went out on both sides and then around the backyard. It was a five-foot fence. I think the backyard was like two and a half acres, and the front yard was a half an acre. And the front wasn't fenced in, though, you know. And uh, we're laying in this pull-out bed in the sitting room, and we're just, we had just gone to bed. It was like 3 o'clock in the morning, and we're still talking, you know. And uh, the house is really quiet, and the dogs are sleeping in the living room. And then all of a sudden, we see the dogs jump up, and they're, they're growling. They're looking out the front door, and they're going crazy, and they're really getting nuts. And my cousin said, you better put them in the garage before, you know, they wake up the whole house. So I put the dogs in the garage, and the dogs are going absolutely insane. But we didn't think anything of it because, you know, we didn't smell anything at that point. It's just the dogs, the dogs had must have fenced this thing coming towards the property. So we're laying in the bed and then all of a sudden we see this huge shadow come across the wall in front of us. And we look at this giant shadow because my sister had floodlights on the corners of the house with sensors and anything, anytime anything came close to the house, the, the, the floodlights would kick on. So the floodlights kicked on and this huge shadow gets drawn across the wall. And I immediately jump off the bed and I do a belly roll and I crawl to the window that's got this giant, it's a big picture window in the front of the house and it's got a giant uh, shade on it, pull it down. And my cousin is froze solid. He's not moving because he doesn't know what the hell it is. And I peek out the shade and as I peek out the shade, there's this, Dark brown with red highlight, tinted highlights, not highlights, but red tinted hair of this creature looking directly into the picture window. And this picture window is only like eighth of an inch thick, you know? And, and it goes into this like incredible Hulk flex kind of motion and it screams this blood curdling scream. And I'm looking at it from the corner of the window and I'm thinking this thing is looking at me and it's screaming at me. But probably in reality, you know, in hindsight being 2020, it probably seen its own reflection in the glass and thought it was another skunk ape or something. And it was just doing some kind of territorial thing. But anyway, after it does this giant flex, my cousin jumps out of the bed and um, it starts walking off towards like the east side of the property. And it's we, which had the kids, the kids' bedrooms on it. And in between the kids' bedrooms, there was a, full bathroom so we ran into the bathroom we left the light off my sister had a black screen in front of the window the windows were tinted we left the light off so this creature couldn't see us and we were looking out the window standing in the bathtub looking at it just you know my my brain can't comprehend what my eyes are seeing you know what i mean it's mind-boggling it's just like this this can't be real it's just it's not real. And my cousin is saying, it's, you know, it's, it's a effing monster. It's an effing monster, you know. And I'm watching this thing walk along the fence line. And like I said, the fence was six foot tall. And this thing was head and shoulders above the fence. It had to be a solid nine feet tall, thousand pounds. It was a big boy. And right next to our property was a, a vacant lot that had wild watermelons on it. And, it. and the whole time it's walking along the fence line, it's looking at us in that window. Like, you can see us. But, you know, we can't imagine how it could see us because we got the lights off. 
but it's looking at us. It's not taking its eyes off of us. We're not taking our eyes off of it. And it squats down and it grabs a wild watermelon and then like one bite just devours 90% of, of this wild watermelon. Then walks off towards the back of the house. We run out the back of the house. My sister had a beautiful screened in patio. And again, it was the dark tinted screen. And then she had like a, another patio in front of that with the pool, the in-ground pool. And we were standing inside the screened-in patio. And again, as this thing passes the back of the house along the fence line, the floodlights in the back of the house goes off. And it's and again, it's looking towards us like it can see us. And we're looking at it. And we're just, like, freaking out. We, we you know, like, our adrenaline is off the charts. And we're like, what the hell, you know, what is it? You know, what is it? You know, and I'm thinking, oh, Definitely a big for you know. I've seen the Patterson Giblin film, you know, and my brother was a paranormal investigator and a parapsychologist and I grew up around that stuff in my house, you know what I mean? I knew I said, Yeah, it's definitely a big foot. And it gets to the back 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 of our property and the the dude whose house was directly behind us, he had a man made lake. And we used to actually swim in his lake because the water in his lake was cooler than the water in our pool. So we would swim in a man made lake. And this creature squatted down and cupped one hand and one hand, it was drinking the water out of the lake while the whole time, never taking its eyes off of us. And then it like heads off in a, a south, a southeastern direction, <clears throat> excuse me, towards the swamp. And it gets back in the swamp and it starts screaming and stuff and just going crazy. And so, now we can't get to sleep. You know, we bring the dogs back in the house. We're, we're all amped up. Next day, we tell my sister, we're going, well, you're never going to believe what we've seen. We've seen, you know, skunk ape was right outside the window. And so we go around the side of the house, and, and there's the footprints. You can see the footprint, and it's like an 18-inch print. It was, like, it was like 18 inches long, and I think like eight or nine inches wide. And my brother was like, okay, I'm going to come home from lunch from the restaurant. I'm going to stop at the hardware store and get some plaster of Paris, and we're going to cast these because he wanted to put them on, like make a right cast and a left cast. We wanted to put them on his bar as a, you know, a conversation piece, you know? And uh, so we're waiting for my brother-in-law to come home for lunch, and I guess he was real busy that day. He never came home. And then by the time he did get home at the end of, you know, around dinner time, it was too late because the, Horse tours had gone through, you know, the stable, the guy who owned the stable had taken a couple of tours and they always went right past our house. So they had trampled over the, the path. And then, you know, just the kids in the neighborhood, you know, coming by to see us and then going, going back to this, we drove over them with our dirt bikes and stuff. So that was, you know, that, that didn't happen. We never got the cast. So that was like the first or the second night or really the first that we actually seen the creature that we knew that, you know, Bigfoot is real. It's it's not any BS, you know. This is the real deal. And and again, growing up in New York and in the city, I always thought that it was out in the Pacific Northwest, you know, Northern California, Oregon, you know, Portland, Oregon, or Washington State, you know, not down in the south, down in Florida and in, in the swamps of the Everglades was the last place I ever expected to hear anything about a Bigfoot, you know. And then... We're, um, you know, a couple of nights go by and you can hear the things screaming in the woods, in the swamps at night. It would just let out this blood curling scream, man. It would just send shivers down your spine. 
And then a couple of nights go by, a week or so goes by, and we're all hanging out in the patio, and it's, I don't know, maybe 9 o'clock at night, 10 o'clock at night, or hanging out. Uh, it was later than that. It was about 12, because my brother-in-law just got home, and he brought home a couple of pies for us, a couple of pizzas. And we're all sitting out in the patio eating the pizzas when we hear gunshots coming from our neighbor's house, like two blocks away. Um, and this, this was the house where the guy who owned the horse stables lived, you know, and we knew that we knew his son and we would actually work at the stables, clean in the stables just to make some, get some cash. You know what I mean? To, to do stuff and buy like, you know, beer and stuff like that, you know? <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and uh, even though we were only 12 and 15, you know, we were from the city and, you know, that's what we did. And, uh, you know, so uh, we would work the stables. So my brother says, why don't you guys jump on your bikes, go down and see what happened. So we jump on our bikes and we race down to see what happens. You know, we, we, we run into our friend. I forgot what his name was. And he was like, so what happened? What happened? His father had just gotten a new um I don't know if it was a stallion or a Mustang or what exactly what it was from like Wyoming or Montana or something, but he couldn't keep it in the stable with the other horses because it wasn't broken. And if he tried to put it in the stable, it would kick and kick and kick and just made all the horses in the stable nervous wreck. So what he would do was leave it out in uh, he'll leave it out in the in the corral. And he had this, um, I remember he had this Seminole Indian, this Native American, who would come by every day and try to break the horse. Well, he had this horse in the corral, and this is a wild, a wild horse. And what happened was this creature, this nine-foot-tall, thousand-pound creature, snuck up on this wild Mustang and grabbed it from behind in its hind quarters. Just snatched this thing up, and when it grabbed the horse, the horse kicked out. And when the horse kicked out, the creature let go, and the horse jumped the corral and ran out into the pasture. Once it got to the pasture, the, you know, the, the skunk ape couldn't catch it. And by, at that point, the, the rancher was coming out, and he was shooting at the skunk ape, and the skunk ape ran off into the swamp. So when they brought the horse back the next day, because they had to wait for the Native American to come the next day to bring the horse back, because no one could get horse close to this horse. It was so spooked. They bring it back into the corral. They put it in the corral, and and the horse on his hind quarters had handprints. Like if I was to grab you by your your forearm and just squeeze as hard as I can, and it leaves that mark on your arm, that that's what this horse had on its hind quarters. Not scratches like a claws, but with fingerprints on its hind quarters. And the, I remember the sheriff being there, and he was like you know, what the hell happened to this you know, horse, you know, we were, and um, there was a lot of sasp, um, skunk ape sightings that summer uh, because of the fires in the Everglades. I, I think the fire between the lack of rain and the fires, it was driving the creatures closer inland and us being right on the edge of it. We were the first ones to, to see him. So that was a pretty exciting night. You know, the next day was pretty exciting checking out the horse and everything. And then a couple of nights go by and my brother-in-law had some friends from New York fly down to Florida and my cousin and I were babysitting her, their kids, and they had gone to Miami with these people from New York and they were, you know, out all night and around, I don't know, one o'clock in the morning, they, they get home around one o'clock in the morning and my brother-in-law had this 
beautiful brand new Lincoln Continental Mark, whatever it was, four or five or whatever it was back then. And it had a sunroof in it and everything was just gorgeous. And they get home and, you know, the dogs start barking as they pull into the driveway. So we open up the door, we let them in. And they're like, any excitement tonight? And we said, no, nah, quiet night. You know, nothing going on tonight. Everything's pretty quiet. And uh, no sooner than we say that, that we heard, boom. First, we hear this blood-curdling scream. It was horrible. Didn't sound like the skunk egg scream. It sounded like, like a, I don't know if you ever heard a deer dying when they let up that high-pitched scream. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, that's what it sounded like, but like a thousand times louder. And we're like, what the hell is that? And then we see shotgun going off up the street from us. There was a cattle rancher, and this dude had this big white bull with a hump in its back. This thing was a monster, okay? This bull was huge, and he didn't play any games. If you came close to that fence, that bull would come charging up to that fence to drive you away. He was a very, very uh, mean, angry bull. And I don't know what they call those bulls with the humps in their back, but that's, this thing was big. It had to be like a 3,000-pound bull, something like that. And um, so we hear the scream. We see the shotgun going off, boom, 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 a couple of shots. My, my sister runs into the house. My brother says, get in the car. Let's go check it out. So I jump in the back seat. My cousin Anthony jumps in the front. I'm hanging out the moonroof of the, of the Lincoln. And at that time, the sheriff's department had picked up um, patrols in the area because of all the skunk cave sightings and what happened to the guy with the horse. So the sheriff is going down one side of the, of the of this giant square uh, neighborhood, and the deputy is going down the other. And when we pull out of our road, we happen to be right behind the chef, the deputy, and the sheriff is like all the way at the other end of the of the neighborhood. He's like a mile away from us, and we're heading we're heading towards this this guy's house where we heard the shots go off. And as we're following the deputy, this creature runs out of the darkness. I guess it's running back towards the swamp. It runs out of the darkness and the deputy hits it. Boom. And the deputy's got just stopped. Like it hit a telephone pole. It just stopped dead in its track. Creature fell back onto like um, a school crossing sign or something and just flattened the sign, pancaked it down. And it got back up and it, it was like surreal. Like time had just slowed down. Okay. But Bromla hits it with the high beams and it's getting back up and it walks over to the deputy's car and it's limping. And we can see the deputy just sitting there in shock. And this thing looks down at the car and makes a fist with both hands and punches the hood of the car. Boom. And screams at the deputy. Like it is pissed off. The back of the car comes off the ground, and we're just sitting there in amazement, just mind-boggling. You, you can't even, um, you know, like I said, it's surreal. Time slows down, and and it limps off into the swamp. At this point, the sheriff is coming down, um, and he sees the, he sees you know the, the car and and the shatters, and he pulls up and he says, "What happened?" You know. And, and the deputy's explaining to him what happened. He's like, well, did you shoot it? And he's like, no, I didn't shoot it. He says, well, why didn't you shoot it? You know, you had the shotgun right beside you. Back then, they used to have the shotgun rack right 
in between both front seats. You know what I mean? And um, he's like, why didn't you shoot it? And the deputy's like, you didn't see the size of this thing. Shotgun wasn't going to do anything. So we're standing there, and the, the sheriff is taking our statements because, you know, we're explaining. We're basically telling him the same thing that the deputy told him. The thing ran out of the darkness. The car hit it and, you know, knocked it down. And, and he's, as he's taking our statement, because we're, you know, five feet behind the deputy's car, um, the guy who owns the, the cattle rancher who owns the bull comes up in his pickup truck and he says, you got to come back to my farm. You got to come back to my ranch. You got to see what that creature did to my prized bull. And I'm thinking, what the hell could this creature have done to this bull? Because I used to jog that neighborhood every single day. And this bull was a monster. And every time I ran by this guy's property, this bull would charge the fence. And I couldn't imagine anything hurting this bull. We get back so we, so the sheriff takes off. He goes, okay, I'll follow you back to your house. We go around the deputy, and we follow the sheriff back to the cattle rancher's house. As we get there, the sheriff is like, got his spotlight on the side of his car, and he's, he's spanning the, the pasture. And there's the torso of this white bull bleeding out with no head on it. And then he finds the head, and the head is like 100 yards away at the other end of the pasture. This creature had ripped the head off of this prized bull. I mean, just the power that this thing must have had, the strength that this thing must have had to pull this bull's head off is mind-boggling, you know? Just mind-boggling. I couldn't imagine anything hurting this bull because this thing was so big. And um, so then we, which we, call, we, we went back there. At that point, the sheriff called in like, Everybody under the sun, the, the county police came in and the stadies came in and they came in with horses and dogs and helicopters and they searched that swamp high and low all night long till the next day and they didn't find anything, not a damn thing. So day two goes by, I'm doing my jogging like I always do and uh, the town guys, the highway department are putting up the new sign, you know. And I says, I said, yeah, you know, I'm telling him the story. And he goes, well, I don't know how this sign got flattened because these signs are supposed to withstand like 200 mile an hour winds from hurricanes. And he goes, and it really, you know, if you would need to flatten this sign, you would have had to run it over with like a, a bulldozer or something. And I told him, I said, listen, man, I was there. I seen what flatten that sign. So with the, the weight of this creature to just do that. You know, this guy is like, well, you know, I'm telling you, these things can take 200 mile an hour winds and that's, they're made for hurricanes, especially down here in Florida. And I was like, okay, you know, whatever you say, but I seen the thing go down and that time just flattened like a piece of paper, you know? Yeah. That's, I mean, that is very, very interesting. And it's interesting to see the differences between how people react nowadays and how they reacted back in the seventies. Uh, because I don't think, I think the concept of covering this up is somewhat new. I know back in the day, uh, they probably would have, if that would have happened today, I think they'd probably tell you guys to shut your mouth. You guys didn't see anything. Uh, did, had your sister seen it before? Seemed like she was pretty well acquainted with the, the, the whole skunk. You know what? It, it's funny because when they first moved into that development, 
she had her first, like two years before she built the second, her, her, what they call the blue house in the back of the development. She actually had a house in the front of the development. It was called the greenhouse because it was green in color. And when she lives up in the beginning of the development where you have to cross over the swamp, the, the, the canals to actually get to this development, it was like, um, there wasn't really, there wasn't really much action happening there. She, you know, she didn't hear anything of, she didn't know of it until they built the other house in the back and the back, the back of the property was really, um, closer to the Everglades itself. You know what I mean? Maybe, you know, like a mile further away. And, um, it just was more r rural in the back than it was in the front. There were more homes in the front. You know, there was more people, and uh, they were still developing the, the the development was still being under under construction. So there wasn't a lot of homes in the back. There was still she knew of it, but she didn't. She never seen it, but she had smelled the smell. She knew the smell, and I guess from just living in 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 the development, you know, word of mouth got around, and she knew what she was dealing with. You know. But she had never seen it, yeah. But she didn't have any action when they lived in the in the first house in the front of the development. All the action she started getting was when they moved uh, to the back of the development a couple of years later. And let me ask you, Al, and, and you do a great job at uh, recounting this, and I think the whole story about the cop hitting it is interesting because uh, I've had cops on the sh uh, on the show in the past, and I remember one specifically was down south. He had actually hit one of these creatures. And he, he only hit the thing doing like 20 miles an hour. I recently talked about it on just the last couple shows. And it, it basically was like he hit a telephone pole. I mean, his airbag went yeah. off. And <laughs> yeah, no, there weren't any airbags in those cars back then. But I'm telling you, when we, when we were cruising down that road, he was, we were cruising. We couldn't have been going more than 20 miles an hour because he, he had his searchlight on. And he was actually scanning his light to, you know, his left towards the swamp because the, on the right were more of the homes. And this creature ran out from where the homes were. So he didn't even see, you know, like he didn't have a chance to hit his brakes or anything. It just stepped out and he hit it. Boom. And it was the creature that stopped that car, you know, and we jammed on our brakes. But we, he wasn't going fast. Now. He was only going about 20, 25 miles an hour tops. You know, he was just barely moving because they were on patrol, you know? Yeah. And you're right. I don't want to come back to the, of it killing a bull, but I wanted to ask you, was there anything specific that you remember any details about the creature that really stood out to you when you saw it on either, either occasion? Um, how wide it was. It was wide. I mean, its shoulders were massive, just massive. I'm going to say, it was all of four feet across from shoulder blade to shoulder blade. Had to be. I mean, it didn't. It didn't taper down into a V shape or anything like that. It was. He was wider up top, and it got narrower down around the midsection. But it wasn't like a V shape. It was more like um, a, just a rounder shape. I don't want to say barrel shape because he wasn't that big. It was just thick all around from under his like lats down. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's interesting when you see a creature, I, I remember it's, it's so interesting you say that because a lot of times when you talk to witnesses, they'll zero in on one thing 
And I know, like in my own encounter, I remember zeroing in on just how big the shoulders were. I mean, I just was in shock on how wide the thing was up top. I mean, it just, uh, I'd never seen anything like that before. So I can, I can definitely, I'm with you on when you see that, how much it kind of freaks you out. Uh, when it came up to the window and it was kind of glaring back at you guys, was there any details of the face that you remember? I, I realize, you know, we're going- I remember its eyes. Its eyes were really big. Um, and they were, and I, I, I want to say they were red, but, I, but, you know, it could have been because of the floodlight reflecting into its eyes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but they were big and, it, and I remember it, um, being really, really mean looking. Like it had, it had like a, almost like a, it had that conical head, but it had like almost like a face, like a gorilla, like it had the canine, you know, and it, when it was screaming and it was just so like its arms, when it flexed, it was just so its arms were not only were they long, but they were so big. You know, I, I always worked out my whole life. My cousin always worked out. I've always been into like martial arts and weight training and stuff like that my whole life. So, you know, what I'm looking at thing, of course, the first thing I, I zoom in, zone in on is its face because it's screaming. It's screaming at me, man. And it's, you know, <laughs> it's terrifying. And it's like time just stopped at that moment. And then once I got past its eyes and its teeth and its head, I started to go down. It had no neck whatsoever. Its head was like inside its shoulders, you know. And and then I got to its shoulders. And, you know, being a weight, a dude who works out with weights, I'm looking at its pecs and everything, and I'm looking at its chest, and I'm like, holy crap, this thing is humongous. It's just humongous. It made the Arnie, Arnie at the time, it was the biggest weightlifter in the world. It made Arnie look like, you know, tiny Tim. You know what I mean? It was yeah. massive. And I remember the red highlights. I don't know. I don't know. Again, I, and I think the only reason I noticed them is because the floodlights were hitting it. You know what I mean? Because it was definitely a dark brown with red highlights. It had like red tint to it. And I keep saying highlights. I mean a tint. And uh, it was just massive. I don't even, uh, I remember seeing it from the waist down. I don't remember seeing any genitalia. But I mean, most of the time I spent looking at it was really from the waist up, you know? I just remember glancing down because, you know, I, I guess at some point in the back of my head, I must have said, look at its feet. It's a big foot, you know? But um, I don't remember actually thinking that, but I know I remember I sized it up from head to toe. And um, it was hard to judge its height at that point because it was squatting and it was, you know, ripping. It was like all its muscles were ripping out and everything. It was like that Hulk thing. But once it stood up and it started to walk past the fence line, I was able to see, okay, I know that fence, you know, six foot tall. I know for a fact because on the 4th of July, we had gone to like South Carolina and picked to one of those warehouses and picked up like two thousand dollars worth of fireworks. And we had Roman candles around all the top of the fences. And I could barely, even with like a a, a long uh, match, reach the top of the the top of those Roman candles to light them. They had to be about seven, eight feet high. You know what I mean? So I was barely 
got to climb up the fence, actually light them and stuff, you know, and this thing's just guide over the fence. It was head and shoulders above the fence. Yeah, and it's interesting, too, how you saw it as it was walking off and even getting water, how it never took its eyes off you guys. It never really... Never took its eyes off of us, man. It, 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 like, knew we were there. It knew we were there. I don't know if it has, like, infrared vision or whatever, night vision or whatever, but the thing never... And I, because I remember when it was looking at us, when, you know, we were in the bathtub, in between the two kids' room, and we were in the bathtub, and we left, and my co- I told my cousin, I said, we'll leave the light off so it can't see us. And I'm thinking, yeah, leave the light off. The window is tinted anywhere. My dad, the window's tinted because, you know, how hot it is down in Florida. Then she even had, like, a, a, a black screen in front of the window. And I'm saying this, no, because I remember when it was looking at us, at one point, me and my cousin both ducked down under the window, like, oh, man, this thing could see us, you know? We were, like, scared, like, how the hell could it taste? But we were so curious that we had to pop back up and just look at it, you know? It was just, couldn't keep our eyes off of it, but we were terrified, you know? It's just absolutely terrified. And I can imagine, I can imagine being terrified in that situation. The The creature that the state patrolman hit, or the deputy hit, uh, was it the same creature you saw prior? I believe it was. I believe it was, yeah. And did you see any facial expressions when it got up? I realized you're another car length behind it, but or probably two, two or three car lengths behind. No, we were we were close. We were we were we were like two feet behind that deputy's car. You know, I mean, those Lincolns have long front ends and everything. Yeah. But I was I was hanging out of the moonroof. You know what I mean? Oh, that's right. I wanted. I was like, you know. I wanted to see this thing up close and personally, you know, even though I was scared to death. Oh, I can imagine. um, Yeah, no, it had expression. Like, you know, when it was mad, it looked mad. It looked angry. You know, its eyes squinted down. Its nose came up. Like, you had that hooded nose, and the nose came up. Didn't have, like, any hair under its nose or around its chin. You know, just the hair was longer on its head and its body than it was on its face. It just had like, like, like a, I, w- I want to say a short haired dog kind of fur on its face. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, or, you know, our skin, like that skin almost looked actually it almost looked grayish. You know what I mean? Um, didn't look black or anything like that, but it's just the hair was shorter on tie. It was a little, it was a little um, longer down on the arms and the legs and stuff than it was up higher. Since the higher it got, the shorter it got. I think it's interesting how, uh, and going back to the farmer and the bull getting killed, I think it's interesting how primates, you know, we're primates too as well, but when when we're talking about non-human primates like gorillas and chimps and, you know, bonobos and everything else, a lot of people don't realize that a lot of their, their emotions are very human. Very human-like. A, ch- a chimp can Absolutely. hold a grudge uh, against you and be very um, aggressive towards you, and it can hold a grudge. And chimp, you know, and gorillas are the same way. A gorilla can hold a grudge and know exactly why it's holding a grudge against you. And you can see this as people have studied chimps and, and gorillas and their behaviors. You can watch a lot of old videos on on YouTube, and you'd be surprised that they, they actually hold grudges and they have these very human-like. Uh, emotions. Qualities. Very, yeah, yeah no, very absolutely. Much. And so it's interesting when the farmer was shooting at that creature, how it came back for revenge. 
it held a grudge and killed that bull. I mean, I, I mean, obviously you didn't see it. No, kill the bull. The, 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 I, I didn't the, see it, but the, 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 when, when the horse rancher shot at it, um, his, his ranch, his horse, his stable was on the other side of the development from the, from the cattle rancher who had the bull, the cattle ranchers, um, his, his, um, ranch was actually right up against the Everglades, you know, the, oh, the other guy, the horse stable guy, he was on the other side of the development. He, he was a good half a mile away. Oh, I, I don't you. know if it was like hunting one of the, one of the cows or something. And the bull came in to defend its territory and they, and they had, you know, a fight or whatever. I'm not really sure what happened there. I couldn't, I couldn't even guess what happened, you know, I but that you. cattle, that cattle rancher, the fence he had that went around his property was a four foot, four foot high fence. And that bull stood above that, that fence. You know what I mean? That, that bull was at least, I would say minimum five feet at the shoulder on all fours. You know, it was a big boy. And I get you what you're saying. It, it wasn't the same guy that was popping off shots. It was a different guy. Um, yeah, I mean, they both shot at the creature. I mean, I'm, I, I want to say that the, the 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 cattle rancher used a shotgun, and the horse rancher used like a thirty thirty lever action or something. That's what it sounded like. Boom, boom, boom. Where the other one was just boom, boom. You know. Yeah. Like totally different guns. Yeah, absolutely. But you know, and you said it earlier. Imagine the strength. You'd have to be, you know, who God knows how much that bull weighed, but to grab a bull, rip its head off, throw it in the pasture, and leave its dead body there. That's why I always warn people, you know, sometimes people, they think I'm crazy, but that's why I always warn people when they go out looking for these things, whether you're a researcher, investigator, uh, when you go out and look for these things, these aren't toys to be played with. They can, You can end up just like that bull very quickly. Uh, if you get on the wrong side of these things, and a lot of people, oh, wow. I, I don't know if that clicks. I don't know if that makes sense. You know, I think they see Harry and the Hendersons, and they think, well, that's more of Sasquatch. <laughs> but um, and you know, and again, they're in, uh, and I say that I guess to say this, and they're not all godless killing machines. I don't believe that for two seconds. But I think if you're on the working end of one of these Sasquatches, I think you're in trouble. And I and I, you better either have a you know very large caliber gun and know exactly where you're shooting or you better leave the area because things are going to go bad pretty quick. That is fascinating though. That whole encounter of, of the summer. And I was reading through that report and I'll include it um, uh, underneath the show, but even the investigator, the investigator did a great job pulling up old reports of around that time of other people that had seen the creature. Yeah. I I think what's her name. Ree was amazing. She did an amazing job, and I think it really hit home with her because her father actually had a boat shop in the same town, Davie, Florida, and but she lived in the next town over. I forgot the name of the town she lived in. And her uncle was a police officer in the town, too, just to, like, she lived in the town just west of us, and her uncle was a police officer in the town just uh, east of us, which was, like, New City. I think that's what the town was called, something like that. And so she had a lot of family there. So she remembered that summer. She, re- she when we talked on the phone, she recollected, she remembered the fires and she remembered, you know, seeing all the police reports and seeing that was the crazy thing about, it. you know, all summer long, you would, you would, you would see articles in the newspaper 
about Sasquatches being seen on this road or that road by the state police or by the local sheriff and this, that, and the other thing. And the next day when we got up, we, we jumped in the car and we drove to the store, you know, which is like five miles away, the wind, closest wind Dixie or whatever. And, um, we, we bought every single paper there was thinking it was going to be all over the news. It was going to be newspaper reporters out there during it. Cause they used to show it on the local news. You know, it, it would be out in the, in the, in the, in the neighborhood saying, you know, what did you see? And for some reason or another, it was like, it never happened. There was nothing mentioned about it in any of the newspapers. You didn't hear anything about it in any of the news shows on TV or on the radio. It was like, it never happened. And for the life of me, I could never figure that out. I was like, man, you know, all summer long, I'm, I'm watching all this stuff on the news about these uh, skunk apes being seen all over South Florida. And this is like the biggest thing. And, and no one shows up. And I don't know if it, it, it didn't happen because the state was involved or, or what, you know, but somebody put the kibosh on that. And, uh, Nobody ever came out and interviewed any of the neighbors. You know, the horse rancher was never interviewed. The cattle rancher was never interviewed. Nobody from the neighborhood was there. It's just like it never happened. Yeah, and that's strange. That's really strange. Yes. I was looking forward to bringing all those newspaper articles back to New York for me to give to my brother, you know, and there was nothing in them. I was like, it's mind-boggling. Yeah, that is mind-boggling. One question I wanted to ask you you know, if you didn't know the term uh, skunk ape or Sasquatch or Bigfoot, and you were trying to explain to someone what you saw on those two different occasions, how would you describe to them what you saw? Uh, honestly, I would say it looked like a giant gorilla that stood upright and walked on two legs. You know, it didn't have the big belly like the gorilla did, and it didn't walk on its knuckles. But it was a monster, man, like King Kong, <laughs> you know? It looked like King Kong. <laughs> it was a monster. It really was. Yeah. You know, and I know I've, I've read a ton of stuff about the Florida skunk ape, and everybody says they're, they're actually smaller than the ones out in the Pacific Northwest and this, that, and the other thing. And I don't know how true that is, but I'll tell you, that I know for a fact the thing I seen was at minimum nine feet tall. And at least anywhere. I would say just being conservative, 100 pounds per foot, 900 pounds. You know what I mean? It was a monster. Yeah, and that's the thing. I know it, during that time in Florida, a lot of times people would say, well, they, you know, they really, you know, it was popular. Well, I think that was more of the 80s, but people were releasing primates out in the wild. And, and uh, during that time where all these sightings were going on, people were saying, ah, oh, they're just seeing. Uh, known primates that have been released in the wild. But when you read the report of what someone saw, the, the, it doesn't sound like a known primate. It, it doesn't sound right. Something about it doesn't sound mm. right. And it, and I do get reports of them it have being that large in, in Florida. It's not the only report. Uh, I would say when I say smaller, when I've said smaller on the show, generally down like Mississippi uh, to East Texas, uh, you don't you uh, don't get me wrong. Seven and a half, eight feet tall is a monster, uh, but generally that's the range you go into. Now, if I get someone that says, "Well, it was nine or ten feet tall," uh, you know, I mean, they can be. I don't see any reason why they couldn't get to be that big uh, out there, especially yeah. in Florida. There's a lot of room to run around out there. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of food in the Everglades. And let me tell you a story. 
Well, there was a part of that Everglades, and um, the way the canal came in in the back where we used to hang out and ride our bikes and stuff, the, the local kids called it a turnaround. And I, and what they meant was, like, the tide would come in and turn around at the end because it was like a dead end and then go back out. And they called it a turnaround. And it was maybe 100 feet of water, a swamp. It was swamp, 100 feet of swamp that you would, the alligators wouldn't go in. They just wouldn't go in it. And my friends would go swimming in it. And they was like, come on in. You know, and I'm like, what are you, crazy? Alligators in this water. I'm not going to swim. No, the alligators don't come at this end. They don't come down at the turnaround. I'm like, what are you talking about? It's, I'm seeing fish and, and frogs and turtles. There's tons of food in there. Why wouldn't they come in here? And the local kids, the local kids would use it as a swimming hole. They would be in there all day. And I was like, you guys are out of your mind. I didn't come down here from New York to get eaten by an alligator. And I was actually fishing in there one day. I was back there fishing with my cousin. We were just hanging out fishing one day. And we've seen an alligator floating in. And it must have been just sunning himself on the top of the water because it looked like it was asleep. And it floated into the turnaround. And when this thing realized where it was, it couldn't get out of there fast enough. It looked like it was running on the wall, like above on top of the water to get out of this turnaround. And me and my cousins just looked at ourselves like, you know, this is the apex predator. What the hell is it scared of at this end of the swamp? You know what I mean? That um, it wouldn't come in here. I mean, this thing looked like it was scared for its life. And, and it, it just blew my mind. And... One of my best friends at the time, he was one of the local guys. He was always swimming with the gators. This dude just was out of his mind. He would swim with the gators. He said, I don't worry. They don't bother. There's plenty of food in here. And he swore to me up and down. He says, Al, I'm telling you, the reason why they can't find this creature when it comes into the swamp is because this thing has got some kind of caverns or something in the swamp. And it's living in some kind of cavern. And once it gets into that water, it gets into these caverns. No, the dogs can't track it in the water. And I told him, I said, man, you're out of your mind. So one day he started looking for these caverns in the turnaround. He swore they were in the turnaround. And he's, he's swimming in and out of these high cattails and all this other stuff that's in the swamp, looking and looking and looking. And finally he finds some kind of underwater opening, some kind of cavern or something. And he swims in it. And he told me, he said, listen, I found an entrance to something. I'm going in it. If I'm not back in 10 minutes, jump on that dirt bike and go get my brothers. Because, you know, that means I'm in trouble. And I'm like, dude, don't go in. Don't, whatever it is, don't go in there. It could be an alligator gen or whatever. He swam in this thing. He said he swam in about 100 feet or so. And it was like it opened up to an underwater cavern. He said, when, and when it opened up, he said, when he popped up out of the water, he was under, under, under where we drove our dirt bikes and, and took the horses out riding and everything. And, it, and he said, it opened up to an underwater cavern and it was other like cave-like structures. And he said, the smell was um, unbelievable. It was burning his eyes. He couldn't stay there for more than like five minutes because he couldn't breathe. And the stench and his eyes are running, comes swimming out and he's flying. He's, he's just off the charts. I found it. I found it. You got to come with me. You got to come with me. And he, so I need you to, you know, to, to witness this. And he's like, just bouncing off the And I'm like, slow down, slow down. What's, what, what'd you find? He's like, I found the skunk ape flare. I found the skunk ape flare. 
because you got to come with me. You got to come with me. I was like, I'm not going in there, man. I said, I'm not going in the canal because the alligators. You think I'm going to go into the skunk ape's house? I said, are you crazy? Well, just think about this. What happens if you go in there and the skunk ape is actually coming out and he sees you? So what do you think he's going to do to you? He's going to pull you apart, rip you to shreds. I said, what would your father do if you found some stranger in his house? He'd probably kill him. I said, what's the matter with you? And this dude was like, he was so excited. I knew he wasn't bullshitting me because he was just talking a mile a minute. And he was like, bouncing off the charts. And I was like, listen, I'm not going in. I believe you with all my heart. I believe you. I believe you telling me the truth, but I'm not going in. And then he says to me, Esther, he realized there was no way he was going to talk me into going. And he didn't really want to tell anybody else about it because he didn't want it. Uh, he said, Al, let's, let's keep this between us. You know, and because um, I don't want the authorities to find out about it because if they do, they're going to come in here and they're going to blow these caverns up with dynamite and stuff and cave everything in. And, you know, these creatures are living in this underground cavern system. He said, I don't want, I don't want to be the reason why they, they're dead. You know, they die, they get killed. And I was like, yeah, we'll keep it to ourselves. And, and I didn't even tell my cousin about it. He didn't tell his brother. And I didn't tell anybody that story for like 30, 30 something years. And then, you know, I figured, okay, it's okay to talk about it this time because they had developed all of that, all of those, all of that swamp land anyway. They're all homes now in there. So they drained the swamp and they developed it up. So, you know, it's totally different now than it was, you know, 40 years ago. But he swears he found their lair. He swears he found it. And you know what? I seen the look in his eyes and I seen the excitement in him. I believed him. I absolutely believe them 100 percent. It's interesting the the fact the whole thing's interesting that the alligators wouldn't go down to that part of the swamp. They would stay away from that part of the swamp, and that's yeah. just interesting to me that they would actually stay away from uh, that part of the swamp. But you know, then that doesn't shock me a whole lot. There's many reports of these things swimming, swimming underneath, especially in rivers and lakes, having them people seeing them swim and going underneath there. God, it would have been nice to go underneath there and. I think you're right, though. I think if the creature would have came out, that would have been a game over at that point. Yeah, game over. There, was, there would have been no way we could have outswam that creature to get at it, especially since it was only like a, a tube kind of little tube opening to get in. So it would have been one guy behind the other, and the guy who would have been in the back would have been in trouble. You know what I mean? So I wasn't going in there. I was more afraid of getting caught up in the in the cattails and all the weeds and everything and drowning. You know what I mean? Uh, but I wouldn't just, I just, I, I said to, I said to my cousin, when we were down there, I said, man, we came down to Florida to get away from New York and we're going to get killed down here by a monster. You know, we came to, we came to Florida to get killed by a monster. <laughs> yeah. It was, you know, yeah, it's a, it's an eye opener when you come from the city and, you know, you hear of people out in the country talk about this sort of thing and everyone, it's like I always say, it's always fun and games until you run into one. And then when you actually see one, uh, you realize you're not the, the biggest, baddest thing out there. But that is a fascinating yeah. story. I mean, the whole encounter is just, uh, it fascinates me because there's so many different uh, pieces to it, you know, from you guys to the farmer, to the rancher, to the cops. Uh, the, the yeah, and then and then, like right after we left that summer, we left um, right after my birthday at the end of August to fly back to New York. Right after we left that summer, um, like two weeks later, my I was talking to my sister, and she had said that um, 
my brother-in-law, his best friend, this guy, Ralph, he owned a stable not too far from where we were. And, um, one, one night, uh, a skunk ape came in and killed one of his ponies and that he had put together like a posse and they were going to go out and track this thing and kill it. And what they did was, I don't know if they found a bloody footprint on like a, a plank, like maybe a 12 foot long, uh, eight inch wide plank or something like that. They found a bloody footprint, just one footprint on it bleeding into the swamp after it killed this. But I don't know if it killed that pony for food, a food source. And then, you know, Ralph came out and interrupted it or, or what happened. But, um, my sister said, yeah, like right after you guys left, Ralph is, uh, Ralph's, uh, um, stables were attacked and one of his ponies were killed. And they, and I, and, but you know, back then in the seventies, if you didn't have a regular, you know, camera on you, you no one got a picture of it, you know? So no one was able to get a picture of it. No one, no one had like cell phones or cameras on them. It was either like, you know, 35 millimeter or, uh, you know, 112 or something like that. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. And it's but, interesting um, too, the, uh, uh, when the the farmer guy was talking about how he had grabbed his horse, and there was actually hand marks on the horse, and I know that uh, Baron Kumbo, uh, they have the show, um, yeah, Bigfoot Outlaws, and yeah, yeah absolutely. They, they were talking about um, how these creatures will have sex with, you know, uh, horses and cows, and I remember everyone kind of laughing at that. And I remember behind the scenes, I'd actually talked to farmers <laughs> that had actually seen that. Uh, there was two, really, yeah, there was two guys. One guy had sent me, uh, it was the back of this, uh, huge bull he had. Then he sent me the pictures the next day. Uh, and he didn't take pictures of when the whole thing was going on. He actually was going out to shoot this thing, but he had sent me pictures the next day and it looked like two handprints, like, you know, like you had mentioned, if you grab your wrist really tight and hold it. Mm how it takes a second for the, and you can kind of see where you put your hand on your own wrist. And that's what this looked like. It looked like two large. Um, if you took my hand times two, at least one and a half, that's what it looked like. And there was another uh, guy who contacted me years back and he said the same thing, except for they were doing it to his horses. And I think he actually took a shot at it. If I remember right, he went out and shot at the creature uh, but he, there was two handprints of where it was actually holding the creature. And I don't know if it's damaging muscle tissue by when it grabs it like that. Uh, because he was like, man, there's, uh, you know, the, the only proof I have is there's two hand, huge handprints on the back of my horse and I'm not the one doing it. Uh, and so it's just interesting when they, you get reports like that. And I know like when the outlaws were talking about it, it was, it was kind of laughed at and smirked at. But I, I had heard that before from previous people who hadn't even been on the show. I had actually heard that exact same thing that was going on uh, with these creatures. It's just fascinating to hear that. And when, when you hear it over and over and over again, uh, there has to be something to it. And I think you're right it, it, about the bull being killed. That bull probably just charged that creature and it grabbed it, ripped its head off, and that was that. Yeah, you must. Uh, yeah, I mean, I can't imagine, you know. Like I said, this this bull, I can't I I can't emphasize how big this bull was. It was huge, man. It was like the size of a minivan, you know. It was a big bull, and uh, 
I can't imagine something like either sidestepping, grabbing in a headlock and twisting and ripping its head off. I mean, because I, I can't imagine this, this bull charged it and its creature grabbed it by its horns to be able to stop that thing. You know what I mean? It's just it's mind boggling. I can't wrap my mind around it. I just can't. It is mind boggling. I've seen bulls like that hit cars and actually lift up the front end of a car with its horns as it hits the car. I mean, there's one you can watch on YouTube, and you're like, oh, my God, you know, I, I can't even imagine the power behind that. And I'm talking about lifting up a large SUV, and this bull had no problems doing it. It smashed the whole side of the car, stuck its horn in, and was lifting it up with its head. I can imagine how big it's how big the bull was. Um I got to have you back, though, Al. I know you and your, your partner, uh, you guys are partners in crime. You guys got the uh, Bronxville <laughs> Paranormal Society. And I know you've started to research and investigate and really look into Bigfoot, and there's other things that happened. Uh, but I'd like to have you guys back on the show. But for the listeners out there, if they go to BronxvilleParanormalSociety.com, you can check out um, Al and, and, and what they're doing over there. And also they have a show called Beyond... Uh, the Realm, uh, a podcast out there. So if you get a chance, check that out. I really enjoyed hearing the encounters. Thank you. Thank you, Wes. It was, it was my pleasure, man. It's my honor to be on your show. I love your show. I think you do a great job. And, you know, it's one of my favorite shows to listen to. And uh, I'm just honored to be on it. Brutally honest. I'm, I'm honored. Uh, the I think honor, you do a great job. I appreciate the kind words. The honor was mine having you on. Thank you again. Thank you. And that's it for tonight, everyone. Remember, if you've had an encounter, shoot me an email. Wes at SasquatchChronicles.com. If you get a chance, please check out the website, SasquatchChronicles.com. For the members, I'll see you guys back on Sunday. Uh, For everyone else, thank you so much for listening, and I will see you guys next time. Have a great night.